we're looking at Acts, we're in Acts chapter 3, and we uh, pretty much finished up verses 1 through 10 last week, talking about the setting here that Peter and John, um, they kind of reset where we are, Peter and John had gone up together to the temple, and we saw that uh, there was a certain man laying from his mother's womb who was uh, carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, and to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, uh, sees Peter and John about to go into the temple and ask for alms, and Peter then says, look at us, the guy gives them his attention, and Peter says in verse 6 of Acts chapter 3, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and this miracle takes place. Immediately, uh, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. And we talked about how he, he left up, leaping up, stood and walked in the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And so how quickly this happened, and we talked about this before, uh, just as it, just, just with the miracles of Jesus, how there's no physical therapy needed, it's not a slow thing. It happens immediately. And, you know, thinking about uh, what Brother Bro's going through and how there's a long recovery there. But when it comes to these types of miracles and miracles that, that are worked through Jesus, you are well immediately. And it's an amazing thing. And it got the attention of individuals. And so we're going to see a similar situation here. In Acts 3, like we saw in Acts 2, in Acts 2, it was, the, you know, the day of Pentecost, it was the uh, speaking in tongues, there's this miraculous event, and it attracted the attention of the people, and it leads to Peter using the opportunity to teach. Here in Acts 3, we see another miraculous event, everyone knew who this was, it says in verse 10, then they knew that it was he who sat making alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. And Peter's going to use this as an opportunity to again teach the gospel. So some similarities here. And we talked a little bit last week about how miracles were used to confirm the word, and the Lord was bearing witness through uh, the signs. So we talked, had a good discussion about a lot of these things, and just kind of a reminder that these miracles, these things that we read about uh, as far as in the life of Jesus and you know, the works of the whole, you know, what, what the apostles were able to do uh, because of the Holy Spirit, uh, that is not anywhere close to the things that we see sometimes today by those who claim to be able to work miracles. There's nothing anywhere remotely close to that. And, and so it's, it was a, definitely uh, something that people could say, this is a genuine healing. And, and, I, and I really, just really uh, struck by the fact that, you know, remembering people would have known who this guy was. And they did. And, and I think I told you last week a little bit about how I went when I was in high school. And I went with a friend on a Friday night to, he said it was going to be like a Bible study. And they did some, some faith healing, and I didn't know who any of those people were. And, and there's, there was no way to really verify if anything was really happening. And it was never anything like this. 
not even remotely like that. So, so just some uh, things. And the reason I bring that up is because that's still out there today. You know, that's still out there today, that, and it leads people astray. Yeah. Well, then, you know, the uh, family members of that man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what that would have been like to them. And would have certainly had a huge impact on them. Yeah, very, very good. Good reminder there. So, so that's what we covered last week, and, and, and we're going to go ahead and move on into verses 11 through 26, a large uh, chunk here uh, of chapter 3, but there's a lot going on here, and so we'll, we'll kind of talk about some of this stuff. But before we do that, um, we'll go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Stuart, would you mind leading us in prayer? Our precious God and Father of Heaven, as we pause before you this hour, we are so thankful for that this is the first day of the week, that we can gather together to offer our worship and to uh, give you all honor and glory that you deserve. And we're so thankful, Father, for your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, in whom we're studying about and his glad message being sent forth uh, after the day of the Pentecost and, and be able to see the miracles that were performed that confirmed the words of those being uh, doing the teaching. And Father, we're uh, thankful for your word and its preservation that we have it, to be able to study and that its truth and simplicity uh, with an honest heart can easily be understood and that uh, um, it brings comfort, it brings faith, it brings strength and confidence to those that read it and can apply it to their lives. We're uh, thankful, Father, for yeah, uh, this avenue of prayer and being able to come before you bring our petitions, and we know that you hear our prayers. We're thankful for that as well. We pray that you uh, view the teachers of the hour, uh, that the things that they've studied be uh, easily brought forth and, and, and talked to the listeners, and we pray that you be with us as uh, uh, participants in this class, that the things that uh, we have studied can be able to and be shared and brought forth and help others and encourage others. Father, we're, uh, we pray for those that uh, uh, are shut in of our number, for, uh, those that are traveling. Especially, we offer up our prayers for uh, Shane and others that uh, that need your prayers for uh, recovery from uh, various illnesses, and uh, we know that, again, Father, that as we bring our uh, prayers and petitions before you, that you answer them, and that uh, that helps give us comfort for um, the hope that we have of, uh, after this life of being with you in heaven. We continue to pray that you be with us with the church everywhere. This is in Jesus' name, God, prayer. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Stuart. All right, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, through Jesus, has given him, this, this man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. And so it's a, it's a big chunk, and we may not get through all of this today, and that's all right. Um, but I'll, I, there's a lot to, to digest from this passage and from the things here. But we build right upon what we finished up with last week, and, and that people wanted to see what this was about. And so you go back to verse 11, says, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them. So I keep imagining myself in this situation, seeing this play out and what that would have been. And, and, and all the people running together to them, they wanted to see what this was about. And, you know, it's, it's a good occasion, you know, unfortunately, and I think Bill and Chris could probably attest to this. At school, we see kids running to find things, and it's usually towards something bad, like a fight happens, and everyone gets riled up about it. And people in society do that too. But people here, uh, whenever there's some sort of commotion, it's going to get the attention of people. You know, uh, nowadays people would have their phones out, you know, and kind of recording this type of thing because it would be, well, look at this thing that's happening. So we're kind of familiar with that behavior, and then Peter is going to. As we said, use this opportunity 
to teach. And so he seizes the opportunity. Verse 12 says, Peter saw it. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. And he says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? And, and so uh, got me thinking about, you know, the opportunities that we come across in our daily lives. You know, and do we take advantage of those opportunities to share the gospel? Um, and and so, so that's something that's kind of a reminder for us, something for us to think about, you know. Uh, and, and, it, and, and it doesn't mean we have to do a whole sermon <laughs> like, like Peter's doing here, but we can do something. You know, we can plant some seeds. We can sow the seed of the kingdom. And, and so while we might not be able to, to do this, nor would the situation call for something like this, um, we can still do something to take advantage of an opportunity to have a discussion with someone, to, to maybe ask them some questions, to think about to do what we can to share the gospel. So, so that was something that uh, I was thinking about as I kind of looked at this. Do we seize the opportunities to teach? Um, because they're all around us. And so uh, we've talked a lot about evangelism and how important that is. And how that's something that we, we need to be engaged in as, as faithful brethren. And it's what disciples do. And we have made an attempt to create some tools through the website and the little cards that we have. There's things that we have put together that are designed to assist us in that. And so, so if you haven't done so, I would encourage all of us to kind of think about how we can incorporate some of these tools um, to help people. And as we have opportunity to do so. So that was one of the first things that kind of came out to me as I was looking at this. Um, so Peter responds to this and he says, men of Israel, so in verse 12, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man uh, walk? And so uh, right away, uh, the credit is given to the Lord right, right away from the outset that's happening. And Peter's saying, why are you looking at us? This has nothing to do with us. And you know, it kind of reminds me of my grandma, Claire, who would always say, give God the glory. And she said that all the time. I can't tell you how many times she would say that in different conversations about things. And she said, well, you know, glory to God for that. And give God the glory. And so that's stuck with me over the years. Uh, so the glory is given to God. Uh, Jesus is the one who is responsible for this. And Peter wants everyone to know that. He wants everyone here to understand that and he wants it to be very clear that this is where this is coming from. This is the source of this. And so he says in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You know, and a couple times here, Peter brings up very boldly you know, well, you did this and and kind of reminds me of how important it is to be bold when we need to be bold and, and to say what people need to hear. You know, we, we live in a world today where people want to define love as, well, just don't ever say anything that upsets me. Don't say anything that's going to rattle my cage. Don't don't you know, just just make me feel good all the time. And certainly there are times for encouragement and edification 
and that's that's very important. But when we're also talking about love, is it not love to tell someone what they need to hear when they are in a position of danger, when they are in a position of you know hurting themselves, when they are heading down the wrong road? We, it's loving to want to help them through that. And, and so, you know, I think about that a lot when it comes to spiritual uh, issues and someone who's lost, uh, someone who is without Christ or someone who's a Christian, but they're heading down the wrong road. And we can sometimes be kind of timid and saying something to them and trying to caution them um, when we really should be, if we care for their souls and we care for them and we love them, we, we should be saying, hey, you need to consider this. And you can do that in a loving way, you know. And so, so those are some things that I've been thinking about as we look at this. And and again, I also see here, you know, noticed uh, it wasn't that long ago that Peter was the one denying Christ, right? You know. So we've talked about that. We've talked about the growth that's taken place. We've talked about you know the coming of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how. Uh, there's a deeper understanding that's there, but we also, but but also along with that is a deeper understanding and confidence in okay, hey, you know, this is what's right, and this is what I need to be busy with, and this is what my role is, and I'm just continuously impressed with how quickly there was a turnaround from a scary time when when all the disciples fled Jesus uh, before his crucifixion. And now where Peter, who we have accounts of him denying Christ, now he's he's standing up boldly and we see where this is going to lead. It's going to lead to them getting hands laid upon them and, and, you know, arrested for for a short time. And so so, you know, he's all in at this point. And what a good example that is for us. And, and, And yeah, sometimes it can be hard to say what you need to say, but we need to work on having that confidence of the fact that the Lord is on our side and I need to be able to be able to say what I need to say and and do what I can to help other people. Um, any other comments up to this point? Just other other thoughts? Yeah, Bill. Just going your, your first point kind of about evangelism, I was just thinking how much uh, these apostles now are you know, basically Simplifying what they've seen in Christ. And I think the first thing that came to my mind was you know, how often Jesus was moved with compassion. So he was compassionate about people. He was concerned about them physically and spiritually. And so he would do things to help them physically, but then it was always most important spiritually. Here they are seeing this man as well. And the text doesn't say that moved with compassion. You get the sense that they felt for this man. They wanted to, to do something for this man, most importantly, spiritually. But as you pointed out, it, it led to something, that this act kind of led to this opportunity, and they took advantage of the opportunity. And so certainly we're not going to heal anyone, but I do think our acts of compassion, um, just the way we live every day like Christ, being caring and loving to other people, um, that can lead to some opportunities. And maybe it's one person a small group that they, they see you do something that we have a discussion. Like you gave the example of your grandma, just some a simple phrase like that, where people know you know who you believe in and what you stand for. 
difference in getting opportunities and then you know, us being able to take advantage of those. Yeah, excellent point there. Because, yeah, there's that, that letting our light shine and doing, you know, just living the life of a Christian. And, and I really like that, you know, having that compassion like Jesus had, uh, that can have an impact on people. And it can, it, it, people can remember that. And maybe even if not at that time, sometimes that act plants a seed that later on they're kind of interested in those things. And so, so I'm thinking a lot more about uh, planting seeds and, and how I don't have to, and this, this has come up in my mind a lot, but just I don't have to do everything. And I don't have to put that pressure to do everything at this one moment. But I can plant some seeds and, and I can uh, say what I can uh, to, a, to, to help this person to see Jesus. And, but yeah, I appreciate your point, Bill. It's an ex- excellent point. You know what stood out for me here is the, the fact that uh, what he says in verse 13. Um, the Jews at that time really they were proud of their relationship with their ancestors. The fact that their ancestors, Abraham and Isaac, all had this relationship with God. And, and what he does here is say that the same God that your ancestors had a relationship with, he glorified his servant Jesus whom you deny. And it, it just, it's another, I see it's another way of pricking the heart to see that, oh, I, I, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really trying to bring it home and go, okay, you know, make that connection and help them to see that. Any other comments at this point? Okay. Oh, oh one more thing. Yeah. In verse 11, uh, the lame man says he fell on the that's kind of an interesting visual, you know. I mean, this, we talked last week about him leaping and just the joy that he felt. Here he is, you know, really holding on to these two. And as you pointed out real quickly, Peter's going to you know, make the point that it's not us. You know, it's, it's not. But again, I just uh, try to translate that to something I can do. And when we do something for someone, an act of kindness, it, it can't really have an effect on people. They don't expect it. You know, but the world doesn't. Have that type of compassion, thoughtfulness, and you do something that really, I, mean, I, I know I've experienced it where I've done something, you're not thinking about it, they come back and just, they're really moved by the fact that you did something and didn't expect it. Uh, so I just think it's a powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like you said earlier, I mean, we can't heal people, but we can do good and we can show compassion to people, and that can have a huge impact. Have a huge impact. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, just quickly uh, thinking about the humility of Peter and John. As you pointed out earlier, the same Peter that boldly said he would never deny Christ, the same John who was the son of thunder. Uh, at various points, they didn't want to perform works for certain people earlier, and Jesus said to rebuke them. They, they tried to perform works that didn't work, and, and Jesus said to correct them there. And, and so again, it's the concept of he who desires to be first to be last. You know, he desires to be strong is actually weak. And, and, and so the way that they were able to grow was because of the humility and totally trusting and accepting what God had told them to do and what Christ had instructed in order to be successful. Yeah, and, and there's just so many lessons throughout the scriptures that, that point to how important it is to be humble. And, and if we don't have humility, we're, we're going to miss a lot of things. And, and that's, that's, that's an important thing to remember. Yeah, Vanessa. 
it reminds me of when Albert and I were first studying, and you know, you get to this point where you've been studying for a while, and then you know they have everything they need to know. And you get to this point of like, what is enough for you? You know, what is, what is enough going to be enough for you to, to accept God and to be okay with whatever He says? And it goes back to that humility of like, well, why are you holding on to your, your, your old life so hard and not progressing with, when I know you have an info to do it? And then people have to go through their own processes, right. but it does take that reflection of self of why am I not making that decision? You know, are you actually valuing that no matter what God says, I'm going to do it? doesn't mean you're never going to have questions going forward. That's okay. Yeah. But are you still saying, when I don't know, I'm going to God. And whatever he says, I'm accepting that 100%. Even if it means I have to change something in my life. But there is a point where, you know, you've been years with somebody and they're just not doing anything. Yeah. So you have to kind of step back and go, well, what, when is it going to be enough for you? Because you're hindering yourself at this point. Right, you right. Know? And we got to... Yeah. Sometimes that that conversation needs to happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right, and and it's it, it it becomes hard sometimes for people. I think to let go of that old oh, okay, well, this is what's going to mean. And, and we have talked about you know counting the cost, and, and and there's there's some importance to that. But sometimes people can use that as an excuse to kind of hem and haul around what they know they need to do. Um, so, yeah, I think you make a valid point there and, and how important that humility uh, needs to be. And, and, and that's, a, I mean, if we go back to verse 13 here, what's it say? It says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. So Jesus, you know, our king was a servant. We talk about how he washed the disciples' feet. And Peter didn't want to do that. And Jesus said, well, then you have no part of me. So, so we also talk about Jesus uh, and says that you have to be as a little child, you know. And so that, that humility is a, is a major concept that can help you to be a true member of the Lord's kingdom. Not only in accepting Jesus and obeying the gospel, but also throughout your walk as a Christian as you come across what the Bible teaches, like Vanessa said, you're going to have other questions about things and you come across that. And, oh, that kind of pricks my heart. But, well, it's what God says. And I need to be humble enough to see that. Yeah. And in the end, there's not, there's not going to be one excuse that's going to be good enough for God of why you did it. There's just nothing. If, if you chose not to obey him, there's nothing that's going to save you past that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so it, and, and we can also see examples here in the book of Acts where people are presented with the information and they respond that very night. They respond very quickly. Uh, now, again, so, so, you know, when we talk about uh, getting that correction, getting that understanding and kind of putting it together uh, here with these individuals, they're kind of like, okay, yeah, we were wrong. And, and coming to that conclusion that, wow, I've been wrong. And, 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 and that takes humility too, to admit you ever had to admit you were wrong about something. And, and, and is that, does that, uh, 
Is that harder for some of us than it probably should be? Sometimes it is. I always think of, um, some of you might remember that show, Happy Days, and you might remember Fonzie. And there's a couple times where Fonzie had to admit he was wrong, and he can't even say it. He's like, oh, you know, and, and it's played for laughs and stuff. But, but that's all part of the thing. It, it could be really hard for people to do that, but we need to be able to do that uh, if, if we're Christians, if, if we're the one to come to Christ. Yeah. Yeah, two more quick things. Uh, Brother Bill Tomlinson and Vanessa wrote from verse 13 again. And, and the lack of humility in the sense that uh, God is the same God. And it goes to reveal this plan. And so, you know, as we're studying Jeremiah, where uh, the Lord says to the prophet Jeremiah that they're stiff necked. Uh, and, and so it was the lack of humility that prevented them from receiving the information. The information was clear, the evidence was clear. And that, that goes to the second point I have about. It, you know, you talked about and, and put us in that situation and setting and did that very well about them running to see this perform. Well, it's likely that these people saw Jesus perform these miracles. But now Peter and John and others are performing the miracles that he performed before, which again demonstrates the fact that Jesus had them fully prepared and the Holy Spirit gave them all the tools necessary to confirm that this Jesus was the Christ. And this message was as powerful as what Jesus taught because, it, 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 and so what about today? What we have in the revelation that has been given to us, is that as powerful than what was done here? Yes, it is. And, and, and you know, because you know, some say, well, if I were only there, well, it's likely that the same people who rejected what they saw with Jesus before, and because they were amazed, doesn't necessarily mean they converted. <laughs> right. They were amazed, but then when you get down to, okay, this now this should be the result of this evidence. This should be the result of what happened. Right. Well, all you know, and then people quickly forget about the amazement of what took place because now they're thinking about themselves going back to the best. Right? Yeah. And we, and like you said, we we see that kind of stuff all the time. You know, when you're trying to interact with people, they get to a certain point and they're like, "Okay, well, I don't know if I could do that," you know. And yet they were fascinated by things and they were kind of brought along for a little bit, you know. Bill. I'm like kind of the conclusion that if you don't believe it's written down by the same God who performed those miracles back then, you won't believe it if you were there either, just like a Christian. But the fact of the matter, I don't believe what's written, you're not going to believe it if it's shown in front of your eyes. How many people back there, once they crossed the, the, the Red Sea, still had doubts? They witnessed this and they still had doubts. Yeah. So. It didn't take them long to kind of. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I've heard that before. Yeah, I was there, I believe. And I let it slide. But, you know, study upon study upon study, but I'm realizing, not the same God who did it then, he wrote it here for us to believe. You don't have faith in that, then I, I really don't believe you would believe. Right, you know, and that kind of reminds me of the rich man and Lazarus, and how the rich man wants to go back, and, and, and what's he told? They have, he has the, the, the they, they have Moses and the prophet. Yeah, but they, they, have, they have what they need. And, and, and so I appreciate all these points just kind of reminding us that what we have is powerful and the open and honest heart is going to recognize that. Yeah. And also how aggressive Satan is in those times. He is trying to pull us away. In the last two weeks, you know, we felt that too. And he is actively trying to put those doubts, make you question, you know, he feeds on your weaknesses. Yeah. And he's, I mean, 
there. You have to put in the effort to make sure he does not does not gain more power over you than you're believing. Right. Absolutely, because he's he's like a roaring lion. You know, he's 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 a predator who's stalking, and he'll use anything and everything to try and drag us down. And and we we must not underestimate that enemy. I, I mean, I, I'm sure Bill and Chris could speak to this as coaches, is how how dangerous it is to underestimate your opponent. And, and I don't know. I, this always. I always felt like that sometimes happened in, in sports that I follow, like the, the Dodgers. Uh, you know, a last place team would come rolling into town and they'd lose like three games in a row to them. You're like, how did that happen? You know, and I always wonder if sometimes it's the overconfidence or there's like maybe there was a little bit of this kind of like, oh well, you know, we're just playing the Padres. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it, what it would be. Um, and they would perform so well against another top team. I wonder if kind of on a subconscious level, some of these players do kind of get that. I mean, it's a 162-game season. It's a long season. Maybe maybe that happens. But, but yeah, we don't want to have, uh, I think it comes back to humility, too, and recognizing that Satan's going to attack our weaknesses. And, and we need to be able to acknowledge where our weaknesses are and, and do what we can to work on those and, and strengthen ourselves in those areas. These are great comments and really, really appreciate all the comments. And so we look back to verse 13 and we, we do make reference here. Peter makes reference here uh, and he calls Jesus a servant. And so we've talked a little bit about that. And it reminded me of Philippians 2 uh, verses 5 through 8 and, and which tells us a little bit more about the servant Jesus and, and kind of what his attitude was. So Philippians 2, in verse 5, uh, Paul's writing to uh, the church of Philippi, says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. You know, so, he, so he's not like, oh, i got to hold on to this. He's not, that's what we're talking about there. That's what that's getting at there. That, that Jesus is not considering it as something to be held on to, to be part of the Godhead. And in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found, this verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross, and though God has glorified His servant Jesus, and then we see here in Philippians that well, that's the same kind of mind that we need to be able to have, that that we need to strive to have, the same mind that Jesus had, and so God glorified His servant Jesus, and then we see the boldness here demonstrated by Peter when He says, "Whom you delivered up and denied." In the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go, and so the people are told what they need to hear. And I can imagine we've, we've kind of hit on this a little bit before, but you can kind of imagine, well, I didn't. Well, I'm not responsible for that, but they were, and, and in a sense, because of our sins. And Bill brought this up last week or the week before. Well, we are all kind of responsible because of sin, because of the sin that we've committed. And so we've sung that hymn before, I'm the one. 
And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about that. And so I think Dylan led us in that song a couple weeks ago. I'm the one. And, and, and we, you know, we said, well, I, I wasn't there. I didn't do that. But my sins, the sins that I had, had committed are what caused that to even happen. You know, and so do we think about these things? Uh, do we strive to do better? Do we meditate upon these things and examine ourselves when we partake of the Lord's Supper? And, and so, so things for us to consider and think about. And so Peter says that now, did not, he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And, and there's a, a, another pricking of the heart that could happen there. Um, and then he says, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. So again, it's the idea that, hey, we saw the resurrection. We're all witnesses of the fact that Jesus was uh, raised from the dead. Uh, and so I was, you know, of course, um, Luke 23, just kind of reference this real quick. Luke 23, 18 and 19. And they all cried out at once saying, away with this man, talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus, and re release to us Barabbas. And in verse 19 of Luke 23, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. And so, so Peter is referencing that and he says, you asked for a murderer to be granted to you and kill the prince of life. And, you know, I was kind of intrigued by this uh, term prince of, of life, you know, and the, the uh, Greek word that's used there is, uh, I don't know if I'm probably butchering this, Ar archaeogos. Um, which can mean leader or prince, but can also mean like origin or source. And, and sometimes in, like in my Bible, it talks about originator, you know, as a word that could be used there. And, and so that, that, when we understand that, it really highlights an interesting contrast between Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas, who was a murderer, murderer, and Jesus, who we know through the scriptures is the source of eternal life, you know, the prince of life, source of eternal life. And what, what a contrast that is. They denied Jesus. And that was, he was driving that point home. And he wants them to see that. And so then he goes into verse 16 and his name. So Jesus, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. So again, the connection, the connection there that it's Jesus is the one who's behind what you have seen here, what you have witnessed here today. It's because of Jesus. Jesus has done this. Jesus has made this possible. And, and through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So again, we see the reference there that these individuals can see this. It's right there in front of them, plain as day. And they know this individual. They know this individual. Um, yes, the faith which comes, so back to verse 16. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect 
soundness in the presence of you all. And so we're seeing here again that Peter is, uh, as Abby, Abby tells me this, he's dropping facts. He's dropping facts. These are facts. And, 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 and it kind of reminds us of the fact that when we're talking about teaching people, we're going to teach people by using facts from the scriptures. Yeah. God calls those who are willing to hear and learn and be taught. And we have to be bold because they're out there. I don't know who, but I need to be doing this with everybody because there are those willing hearts in mind that will be able to handle and, and take this information. In John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last days. It is written in the prophets. And they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So I know he is calling. But we have to be out there giving this information so those willing hearts are want, you know, the ones that are wanting to to hear and learn and to be taught. And so I love these kind of this, and it makes me realize how much I need to be older than. I have to. Yeah, yeah, and it does that for me too. Kind of reminds me of that. And then, and then you, you know, you read. I forgive me. I can't remember exactly where it is right now. Um, but, but you, you read about Paul talking about, you know, pray that I'll have more boldness. And you're like, wow, really? <laughs> you're so bold. <laughs> you see all these examples. But, but again, how we can continue to to work on that and develop it, and that it, I think that kind of suggests that it could kind of go away. If we don't use it, if we can kind of become timid. Yeah. yeah I was thinking about uh, your emphasis on Prince of Life and how many different ways Jesus is described here. His servant, Holy One, Prince of Life. Different ways to identify all the aspects of Christ. And you can't help but think of our study of Isaiah in terms of the servant. And, and you go from Isaiah chapter 50 to the end of the book and the emphasis on the servant. And one passage is, Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many of you were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than any uh, than the sons of men. So again, the fact that uh, we need to be a servant. He is our example. And so we're going to come to Christ, we're going to follow God, and we have to be a servant of the Lord. And number two, that, again, there's sort of a contradiction here in the sense that, you know, we think about, as Peter did, that the way to be powerful. Well, the way to be powerful, going back to that concept we talked about earlier, is, is the opposite. God opposes the proud, and, and he respects the humble. And, and so, again, it's just interesting here that uh, Jesus is defined and described all these different ways, trying to get people, as we talk about evangelism, to really understand all the aspects of who Jesus is. It's really simple to respond to the gospel message, but it's also important to understand all aspects. We don't just define Christ as one thing. Well, this is a Christ of grace and love. That's true. But then ignore other aspects of who he is and, and what he is. Right, right, which is just so prevalent today. So, yeah, good, good reminders there. Any other comments uh, about this verse, about this passage? Okay, so, so we've just got a couple minutes left here, but, but again... Um, 
I've been thinking a lot about this concept of uh, facts, faith, and feelings. And that's, that's the pattern that we see in the scriptures as far as when people are taught. And, and when you taught, and, 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 and Denise uh, talked a little bit more about the boldness there, and it kind of reminded me of how faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, and so um, the world tends to get this backwards and they want to start with what makes me feel good. Well, that's what should bring me to Jesus. And, and you know, that's, that's just not how, what we see in the Bible. We see in the Bible facts being presented, things being presented that people needed to hear and then respond to. And, and that could generate like a, a pricking of the heart, you know, so, so talk of feelings in that sense might, uh, you know, kind of come in the sense that it's going to generate faith and what I need to do. And then I'm going to do something about it. And then that's where the real joy comes. That that's, that's what when I'm talking about feelings. I'm talking about that, you know, the joy comes from knowing I've obeyed the gospel. I've done what Jesus says and I'm doing right. And I'm going to try and move forward with that. And that's what we see with the Ethiopian eunuch. We see that example right there. So, so this facts, faith. So, so here is Peter, and he's hitting them with a lot of facts. And these are would be hard things to hear. Sometimes we have to, in representing the truth of Christ, have to say some things that might be hard for people to hear. We can do that in love. We can do that because we care. But it doesn't allow, it doesn't cause us to hold back and not say certain things because, well, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Well, the feelings come later. You want to do what's right. You want to follow those facts that leads to faith. And then that leads to the feelings of that satisfaction of knowing I'm right with the Lord. So with the Ethiopian eunuch did, he went off on his way rejoicing. Uh, powerful things for us to remember as, as we try to evangelize to lost. Okay, so we got here to uh, verse, got through verse 16, so we'll start with verse 17 uh, next week. Thank you, everyone, for your comments and attention.